Rule versus example learning. Another cognitive difference that appears to matter is whether you are a quote-unquote rule learner or example learner. And the distinction is somewhat akin to the one we just discussed. When studying different kinds of problems in a chemistry class or specimens in a course on birds and how to identify them, rule learners tend to abstract the underlying principles or rules that differentiate the examples being studied. Later, when they encounter a new chemistry problem or a bird specimen, they apply the rules as a means to classify it and select the appropriate solution or specimen box. Example learners tend to memorize the examples rather than the underlying principles. When they encounter an unfamiliar case, they lack a grasp of the rules needed to classify or solve it. So they generalize from the nearest example they can remember, even if it is not particularly relevant to the new case. However, example learners may improve at extracting underlying rules when they are asked to compare two different examples rather than focus on studying one example at a time. Likewise, they are more likely to discover the common solution to disparate problems if they first have to compare the problems and try to figure out the underlying similarities. By way of an illustration, consider two different hypothetical problems faced by a learner. These are taken from research into rule learning. In one problem, a general's forces are set to attack a castle that is protected by a moat. Spies have learned that the bridges over the moat have been mined by the castle's commander. The mines are set to allow small groups to cross the bridges so that the occupants of the castle can retrieve food and fuel. How can the general get a large force over the bridges to attack the castle without tripping the mines? The other problem involves an inoperable tumor, which can be destroyed by focused radiation. However, the radiation must also pass through the healthy tissue. A beam of sufficient intensity to destroy the tumor will damage the healthy tissue through which it passes. How can the tumor be destroyed without damaging healthy tissue? In the studies, students have difficulty finding the solution to either of these problems unless they are instructed to look for similarities between them. When seeking similarities, many students notice that one, both problems require a large force to be directed at a target. Two, the full force cannot be masked and delivered through a single route without an adverse outcome. And three, 
Smaller forces can be delivered to the target, but a small force is insufficient to solve the problem. By identifying these similarities, students often arrive at a strategy of dividing the larger force into smaller forces and sending these in through different routes to converge on the target and destroy it without setting off mines or damaging healthy tissue. Here's the payoff. After figuring out this common underlying solution, students are able then able to go on to solve a variety of different convergence problems. As with high and low structure builders, our understanding of rule versus example learners is very preliminary. However, we know that high structure builders and rule learners are more successful in transferring their learning to unfamiliar situations than are low structure builders and example learners. You might wonder if the tendencies to be a high structure builder is correlated with the tendency to be a rule learner. Unfortunately, research is not yet available to answer this question. You can see the development of structure building and rule learning skills in a child's ability to tell a joke. A three-year-old probably cannot deliver a knock-knock joke because he lacks an understanding of structure. You reply, who's there? And he jumps to the punchline. Door is locked. I can't get in. He doesn't understand the importance after who's there or of replying Doris to set up the joke. But by the time he's five, he has become a knock-knock virtuoso. He has memorized the structure. Nonetheless, at five, he's not yet adept at other kinds of jokes because he hasn't yet learned the essential element that makes jokes work, which, of course, is the rule that a punchline of any kind needs a setup, explicit or implied. If you consider Bruce Hendry's early lesson in the high value of a suitcase full of scarce, scarce, rather scarce fireworks, you can see how when he looks at boxcars many years later, he's working with the same supply and demand building block, but within a much more complex model that employs other blocks of knowledge that he has constructed over the years to address concepts of credit risk, business cycles, and the process of bankruptcy. Why are boxcars in surplus? Because tax incentives to investors had encouraged too much money to flow into their prediction or their production. What's a boxcar worth? They cost $42,000 each to build and were in like new condition as they had been some of the last few ones built. He researched the lifespan of a boxcar and its scrap value and looked at the lease contracts. Even if all his cars stood idle, the lease payments would pay a pretty yield on his investment while the rat, while the glut worked through 
the system and the market turned around. Had we been there, we would have bought boxcars too, or so we'd like to think. But it's not like filling a satchel with fireworks, even if the underlying principle of supply and demand is the same. You had to buy the boxcars right and understand the way to go about it. What in lay terms we all know how. Knowledge is not know-how until you understand the underlying principles at work and can find rather can fit them together into a structure larger than the sum of its parts. Know-how is learning that enables you to go do 